Section number four of Sasha. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Sasha by Alexander Kuprin, translated by Douglas Ashby. Section four. The Army Ensign. Part two. Kate's Letters, read by Sonia. Kate to Lydia. Alchavatka, September 18th my dearest lydia congratulate me quickly the ice is broken the mysterious stranger it seems is the most amiable in the world a chevalier sans peur et sans reproche the honour of this discovery belongs to me since you you little villain deserted me there is no one now to keep me out of mischief which i have had time to get into over and over again to begin with i must confess that yesterday i arranged the capture of my mysterious stranger i waited in the boat and when he passed by i asked him to shove it off from the shore oh i know perfectly well that you would have stopped short of a trick like that you ought to have seen the eagerness with which the mysterious stranger rushed up to fulfil my request but the poor man didn't measure his strength fell into the water and was covered with filthy mud he presented the most pitiful and at the same time the most amusing appearance you could imagine his cap had fallen on the ground his hair had slipped down over his forehead and the mud was pouring from him in streams while his hands with the fingers parted seemed to be petrified i thought at once i must not laugh he will be offended it would have been much better not to think at all i began to laugh 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 i laughed myself into hysterics in vain i bit my lips until they bled and pinched my hand until it hurt nothing was of any use the confused officer took to flight this wasn't very wise on his part for i had left the oars behind i had to float over the roguish water until the wind brought my fragile bark into the reeds there by grabbing one after the other with both hands i succeeded somehow or other in pulling the boat in but in jumping out i managed to wet my feet and skirt almost up to the knees do you know i like him very much a strange presentiment told me that an interesting flirtation would start between us l'amour inachevé as prevost puts it there is something about him manly strong and at the same time tender it's nice to have power over a man like that apart from this he is probably very reserved i mean to say not gossipy i don't think he's stupid but chiefly one divines in his figure and movements robust health and a great physical strength while i was muddling about in the boat i was seized by a weird but very attractive thought i wanted him terribly to take me up in his arms and carry me swiftly swiftly over the gardens it would have been no great effort for him would it my little leader what a difference there is between him and the people one meets in petersburg those dancers and sportsmen in whom one always detects something worn and jaded and disagreeably shameless my officer is fresh like a healthy apple built like a gladiator at the same time bashful and i think passionate to-morrow or the day after i will make advances to him that's the way i think to express it in russian lidotchka you must correct all my gallicisms without mercy as you promised really i am ashamed of making mistakes in my own language 
that he tumbled so magnificently into the lake doesn't matter a bit i alone was a witness of the tragedy it would have been quite another matter if he had been so clumsy in public oh then i should certainly be ashamed of him this must be our special women's psychology good-bye my dear little leader i kiss you your kate september nineteenth everything passes in this world pain sorrow love shame and in fact it is an extremely wise law the other day i was sure that if before my departure i should happen to meet katerina andrevna by any chance i should almost die from shame but not only have i not left Olkavatka, but i have even found time to seal a friendship with this bewitching creature yes yes friendship is exactly the word to-day at the end of our long earnest conversation she herself said this word for word so monsieur lapshan let us be friends and neither of us will remember this unlucky little story of course this unlucky little story meant my adventure with the boat now i know her appearance down to the most delicate details but i cannot describe her as a matter of fact i believe this to be generally impossible often one reads in novels a description of the heroine she had a beautifully regular classical face eyes full of fire a straight charming little nose and exquisite red lips behind which gleamed two rows of magnificent pearly teeth this is crude to a degree does this insipid description give even the slightest hint of that untranslatable combination and reciprocal harmony of features which differentiates one face from all the millions of others here i can see her face in front of me in actual minute extraordinarily vivid detail a full oval of an olive pallor eyebrows almost straight very dark and thick meeting over the ridge of the nose in a sort of dark down so that it gives them a certain expression of severity the eyes are large green with enormous short-sighted pupils the mouth is small slightly irregular sensual mocking and proud with full sharply chiselled lips the dull hair is gathered up at the back of the head in a heavy negligent knot i could not go away yesterday the captain is seriously ill and rubs himself from morning till night with formic acid and drinks a concoction made out of some sort of herbs it would not be sportsmanlike to desert him while in this state all the more because the captain's concoction is nothing more but a masked drinking bout last night i went into the garden without even daring to confess to myself that i secretly hoped to find katarina andrevna there i don't know whether she saw me pass the gate or if anything can be put down to chance but we met face to face on the main path just as i had emerged onto it from the alley the sun was setting half the sky was reddening promising a windy morning katerina andrevna wore a white dress relieved at the waist by a green velvet belt against the fiery background of the sunset her fine hair flamed round her head she smiled when she saw me not angrily rather kindly and stretched out her hand to me i am partly to blame for what happened yesterday tell me you didn't catch cold did you the tone of her question is sincere and sympathetic all my fears vanish i find myself even daring to risk a joke at my own expense rubbish a little mud bath on the contrary it's very healthy you're too kind mademoiselle and we both start laughing in the most simple sincere way honestly what was there so terrible and shameful in my involuntary fall decidedly i don't understand it 
no we can't leave it like this she says still laughing you must have your revenge can you row i can mademoiselle well come along don't keep calling me mademoiselle but you don't know my name i know it katerina andrevna oh that's too fearfully long katerina and on top of it andrevna at home everyone calls me kate call me simply kate i click my heels together in silent assent i pull the boat to the shore kate leaning heavily on my outstretched arm moves easily over the little seats to the stern we glide slowly over the lake the surface is so polished and motionless that it has the appearance of density stirred by the faint motion of the boat little wrinkles behind the stern swim lazily away to left and right pink under the last rays of the sun the shore is reflected in the water upside down but it looks prettier than in reality with its shaggy white willows the green of which has not yet been touched by autumn at a little distance behind us swim a couple of swans light as fluffs of snow their whiteness intensified by the dark water you always spend the summer in the country mademoiselle kate i ask no last year we went to nice and before that to baden baden i don't like nice it's the town of the dying a sort of cemetery but i gambled at monte carlo gamble like anything and you have you been abroad rather i've even had adventures really that must be very interesting please tell me about them it was about two years ago in the spring our battalion was quartered at a tiny frontier place goziatin it is generally called the russian goziatin because at the other side of a narrow little river not more than fifty yards in breadth there is an austrian goziatin and when i'm talking by no means without pride about my trip abroad it is this very austrian goziatin that i mean once having secured the favor of the inspector of rural police we made up a rather large party to go over there a party exclusively composed of officers and regimental ladies our guide was a local civilian doctor and he acted as our interpreter scarcely had we entered to express myself in the grand style alien territory than we were surrounded by a crowd of ruthenian ragamuffins apropos of this it was a chance of testing the deep sympathy which our brother slavs are supposed to feel for us russians the urchins followed us to the very doors of the restaurant without ceasing for a second to splatter us with the most choice russian insults austrian jews were standing in the street in little groups with tasseled fur caps curls falling over their shoulders and gabardines beneath which one could see white stockings and slippers as soon as we approached them they began to point at us and in their quick guttural language with a typical snarl at the end of each sentence there was something menacing however we reached the restaurant at last and ordered goulash and maslash the first is some national meat dish deluged with red pepper and the second a luscious hungarian wine while we were eating a dense crowd of the inhabitants of guziatin trooped into the small room and stared with genuine curiosity at the foreign visitors then three people emerged from the crowd and greeted the doctor who immediately introduced them to our ladies after these four more came and then about six others who these citizens were i have never found out but they probably occupied administrative posts among them there was a certain pan commissar and pan sub-commissar and other pans as well they were all good enough to eat goulash and drink maslash with us and they kept repeating to the ladies at your service pane 
and we fall at the pane's feet at the end pan commissar invited us to stay until the evening as a subscription ball was to take place that day we accepted the invitation all went swingingly and our ladies were enthusiastically whirling and waltzes with their new acquaintances it is true we were a little surprised at foreign usage each dancer called a dance for himself and paid the musicians twenty kopecks we got used to this custom but we were soon bewildered by a quite unexpected incident one of our party wanted some beer and he mentioned this to one of our new acquaintances a portly gentleman with a black moustache and magnificent manners our ladies had decided about him that he must be one of the local magnates the magnate happened to be an extremely affable man he shouted at once gentlemen disappeared for a minute and returned with two bottles of beer a corkscrew and a serviette under his arm the two bottles were opened with such extraordinary skill that our colonel's wife expressed her admiration to her compliment the magnate replied with modest dignity oh that's nothing for me madame i have a post as waiter at this establishment naturally after this unexpected confession our party left the austrian ball hurriedly a little informally even while i am telling this anecdote kate laughs sonorously our boat doubles round the little island and comes out into a narrow canal over which trees bending low on each side form a cool shadowy arch here one catches the sharp smell of marsh the water looks black as ink and seems to boil under the oars oh how nice kate exclaims with a little shiver as our conversation is threatening to dry up i inquire you find it rather dull in the country don't you very dull kate answers and after a short silence she adds negligently with a quick coquettish glance up to now at all events in the summer my friend was staying here i think you saw her didn't you and then there was someone to chatter with have you no acquaintances among the land owners about here no papa won't call on anyone it's fearfully dull in the morning i have to read the moscow news aloud to my grandmother you can't imagine what a bore it is it's so nice in the garden and i have to read there about conflicts between civilized powers and about the agricultural crisis and sometimes in despair i decide to skip some twenty or thirty lines so that there is no sense at all left grandmother however never suspects anything and often expresses surprise do you notice kate that they write quite incomprehensibly nowadays of course i agree indeed they do grandmother utterly incomprehensibly but when the reading is over i feel like a schoolgirl let out for the holidays talking like this we roll along over the lake until it begins to get dark as we say good-bye kate in a little parenthesis gives me to understand that she is accustomed to stroll about the garden every morning and every evening all this happened yesterday but i have had no time to write anything in my diary because i spent the rest of the evening up to midnight and lying on my bed staring at the ceiling and giving myself up to unrealizable impossible reveries which in spite of their innocence i am ashamed to put down on paper we met again to-day already without the least embarrassment just like old acquaintances kate is extraordinarily good and kind when in the course of conversation i expressed among other things my regret that the unlucky incident of the boat made me seem comic in her eyes she stretched out her hand to me with a sincere gesture and pronounced these unforgettable words let us be friends monsieur lapshine and let us forget that story 
and i know the kind tone of those words will never be effaced from my memory by words of any other sort for all eternity september twentieth oh i was not mistaken kate indeed hinted yesterday that we can meet in the garden every morning and every evening it is a pity though that she was not in a good humour to-day the reason was a bad headache she looked very tired and she had black marks under her eyes and her cheeks were paler than usual don't take any notice of my health she said in reply to my expressions of sympathy this will pass i've got into the bad habit of reading in bed one gets entranced without noticing it and then there comes insomnia you can't hypnotize can you she added half jokingly i answered that i had never tried but that i probably could take my hand kate said and look intently into my eyes gazing into kate's large black pupils i endeavoured to concentrate and gather all my force of will but my eyes fell confusedly from her eyes to her lips there was one moment when my fingers involuntarily trembled and gave a faint pressure to kate's hand as if in answer to my unconscious movement i also felt a faint pressure in return but naturally this was only by chance because she immediately withdrew her hand no you can't help me you're thinking of something quite different on the contrary i was thinking of you mademoiselle kate i retorted quite possibly but doctors never look at one with eyes like that you are a bad one i a bad one god is my witness that no evil thought even the shadow of an evil thought has ever come into my head but possibly my unlucky face has expressed something utterly different from what i feel the strange part of it is that kate's observation suddenly made me feel the woman in her for the first time and i felt awkward so my experiment in hypnotism was a failure kate's migraine not only did not vanish but grew worse every minute when she went away she was probably sorry for the disappointment in my face she allowed me to hold her hand for a second longer than was necessary i'm not coming in the evening she said wait until tomorrow but how well this was said what an abyss of meaning a woman can sometimes put into the most ordinary the most commonplace sentence this wait i translate it like this i know that it is a great pleasure for you to see me it is not unpleasant to me either but then we can meet each other every other day and there is so much time ahead of us isn't there kate gives me the right to wait for her at the very thought of it my head swims in transport what if mere curiosity an acquaintance made out of boredom chance meetings what if all this were to pass into something deeper and more tender as i wandered along the garden paths after kate's departure i began to dream about it involuntarily any one may dream about anything may he not and i was imagining the springing up between us of a love at once passionate timid and confident her first love and though not my first still my strongest and my last i was picturing a stolen meeting at night a bench bathed in the gentle moonlight a head confidently leaning upon my shoulder the sweet scarcely audible i love you pronounced timidly in answer to my passionate confession yes i love you kate i say with a suppressed sigh but we must part you are rich i am just a poor officer who is nothing except an immeasurable love for you an unequal marriage will bring you only unhappiness afterwards you would reproach me i love you and cannot live without you she answered i will go with you to the ends of the earth 
no my dear one we must part another life is waiting for you remember one thing only that i will never never in my life stop loving you the night the bench the moon the drooping trees the sweet love words how exalted old-fashioned and silly it all sounds and here while i am in the act of writing these words the captain who has just finished his stirrup cup falls out to me from his bed what is it that you are scribbling by the hour lieutenant versus perhaps you might honour us with such nobility the captain i think hates versus and nature more than anything in the world twisting his mouth sideways he says sometimes little verses what earthly use are they and he declaims sarcastically in front of me there is a portrait inanimate but in a frame in front of it a candle burns rubbish fiddlesticks and all that sort of thing at the same time he is not quite a stranger to art and poetry after an extra drink or two he sometimes plays the guitar and sings curious old love songs that one has not heard for the last thirty years i shall go to bed at once though i know i shall have difficulty in getting to sleep but are not reveries even the most unrealizable ones the undeniable and consoling privilege of every mortal september twenty first if anyone had told me that the captain and i would dine with andrei alexandrovitch himself i should have laughed in his face but incidentally i have just come back from the palace and even now i have between my teeth the same cigar that i started smoking in that magnificent study the captain is in his room rubbing himself with the formic acid and grumbling something or other about nobility and all that sort of thing however he is quite bewildered and apparently admits himself a comic figure in the laurels of a toreador and fearless rescuer of one of the fair sex probably fate itself has chosen to present us in this place in comic roles me and my adventure on the lake shore him and today's exploit but i must tell about everything in order it was about eleven in the morning i was sitting at the writing-table busy with a letter to my people while waiting for the captain who was to be in for lunch he came all right but in a most unexpected state covered with dust red overwhelmed with confusion and furious i looked at him questioningly he began to pull off his tunic railing all the time this is this kind of of stupid thing and all that sort of thing imagine i was coming from the digging passing through the yard i see that old woman well the mother or grandmother whoever she is crawling out from the hedge in front of the palace yes crawling she toddles along quite quietly when goodness knows where it comes from a little calf jumps out an ordinary little calf not a year old gallops you know the way they do tail up and all that sort of thing simply a calf's ecstasy yes that's what had got hold of him he sees the old woman and starts for her she begins shouting and shakes her stick at him which makes him still worse there he was dancing round her just thinking that she was playing with him my poor old woman rolls on the ground half dead with fright and unable even to shriek any longer i see that one must help and rush up to her at top speed chase away the stupid calf and find the old woman lying on the ground almost breathless and voiceless i thought she had perhaps caved in from sheer funk well somehow or other i lifted her up shook the dust from her and asked her if she were hurt all she did was to roll her eyes and groan finally she gasped out take me home i put an arm round her and managed to drag her up to the veranda where we found the chatelaine herself the wife of our host she was terrified and burst out 
what is the matter with you maman what in the world has happened between us we got the old woman into an armchair and rubbed her all over with some sort of scent she was right enough and gradually found her breath then she started embroidering i simply didn't know where to turn i was going she says along the yard when suddenly a bull flies straight out at me an enormous mad bull with bloodshot eyes his mouth all foaming he came right at me banged me in the chest with his horns and dashed me to the ground beyond that i remember nothing well then it appeared that i had performed a sort of miracle that i had sprung at this would-be bull and on my honour had practically tossed him over my shoulder i listened and listened and at last i said you are mistaken madame it wasn't a bull it was just a little calf but i might have talked till i was hoarse she wouldn't even listen it's all his modesty she said and that very moment in came their young lady and she too was in a great state the old woman started telling her the whole comedy over again the deuce knows what an idiotic business it is they called me a hero and a saviour pressed my hands and all that sort of thing i listened to them feeling amused and ashamed really well i think to myself i am in for a pretty story and there's nothing to say i had all the difficulty in the world to get rid of them but an idiotic affair i don't believe one could invent something sillier we sat down to lunch and after a few glasses of his mixture the captain grew calmer he was just starting for the digging when suddenly our boy rushed headlong into the room his face distorted with awe his eyes almost jumping out of their sockets the master the master himself is coming here we too god knows why got flurried rushed about and began hurriedly to put on the tunics that we had just taken off and then at that very moment Obolianinov showed himself at the door and stopped with a slight half-bow. "'Gentlemen, I am afraid that my visit is inconveniencing you,' he said with a most natural and at the same time cold amiability. "'Please remain just as you are, at home.' He was wearing loose, light trousers, which suited astonishingly well his great height and his curiously youthful appearance. His face is that of a real aristocrat i've never seen such a regular profile such a fine eagle nose such a determined chin and such arrogant lips he turned to the captain will you kindly allow me to express to you my deep gratitude if it had not been for your daring please no what do you mean the captain answered quite confused and waving his hands in incoherent gestures i've done nothing particular why thank me a mere calf to tell the truth it was simply awkward and all that sort of thing Obolianinov repeated his ironical or polite bow. Your modesty does honor to your manliness, Captain. In any case, I consider it my duty to express my gratitude on behalf of my mother and myself. At this the Captain grew thoroughly ashamed. His face reddened and then seemed to become brown, and he waved his hands more incoherently than ever. For goodness sake, there is nothing particular in it, simply a calf, but I don't worry about it i see a calf running well then i at once please don't i saw that the captain had become utterly mixed and hastened to the rescue kindly take a seat i said offering our visitor a chair he gave me a fugitive indifferent glance and a negligent merci but did not sit down and merely placed his hands on the back of the chair i'm very sorry gentlemen that we did not meet before he said as he held out his hand to the captain in any case it's better late than never isn't it the captain quite disconcerted found no reply and merely bowed extremely low as he pressed the white well-kept hand as far as i was concerned 
i introduced myself rather curtly lieutenant lapshine and then i added though rather indistinctly delighted i'm sure such an honour finally i'm not certain which of us came off the better the captain or i i hope gentlemen that you won't refuse to dine with me said obolianinov picking up his hat from the chair we dine at seven punctually he bowed again and our boss retired with the same magnificent ease of manner with which he had entered at seven o'clock we presented ourselves at the palace all the way the captain was grumbling about nobility and constantly arranging the order which for some reason or other he was wearing on his chest to all appearances he was in a most depressed frame of mind however i must admit that i was not feeling very easy myself as soon as we reached the house we were shown into the dining-room a large rather dark room with massive carved oak panels the master of the house was not there but only his wife and the old woman the mother who had been saved from death by the captain a slight embarrassment arose naturally chiefly on our side we had to introduce ourselves we were asked to sit down inevitably the conversation fastened upon the event of the morning but having lasted for about five minutes it dried up of its own accord without any hope of revival and all four of us sat silent looking at each other oppressed by our silence luckily kate accompanied by her father came into the room on seeing me she bit her lip with an expression of surprise and raised her eyebrows we were introduced i understood from kate's glance that no one was to know about our chance meeting in the garden dear girl of course i will fulfil your silent order after dinner during which obolianinov had tried in vain to make the captain talk for some reason or other he paid little attention to me the old lady expressed a wish to play whist as the captain never touched cards i had to make the fourth and for two hours i had to endure the most dreary boredom during the first two rubbers the old lady played more or less correctly but afterwards her attention wandered she began to play out of turn and to pick up other people's tricks when spades were called she played diamonds but maman you still have a spade our host would observe with ironical deference well are you going to teach me now the old lady would answer it in an offended tone i'm too old to be taught my dear if i don't play a spade it means that i haven't got one all the same a minute later she would herself lead spades you see maman you have found a spade her son would remark with the same shade of benevolent sarcasm while she was unaffectedly bewildered i can't make out my dear where it came from i simply can't make out but i myself played absent-mindedly all the time i was listening for the light footsteps of kate behind my chair she poor girl struggled for about half an hour in the hope of entertaining the captain but all her attempts were broken by his stony silence he only blushed wiped his perspiring forehead with a check handkerchief and answered to each question yes madame no madame at last kate brought him a whole heap of albums and pictures in which he became entirely absorbed several times kate came purposely near the card-table our eyes met each time and each time i caught in hers a sly and tender little glint our acquaintance suspected by no one made us a pair of conspirators initiated in a common mystery which bound us one to the other with deep strong ties it was already dark when after finishing the whist and having a smoke in the study we were on our way home the captain was walking ahead of me then on the balcony i suddenly felt yes exactly felt the presence of someone i pulled hard at my cigar and in the reddish light that rose and lowered 
i detected a frock and a dear smiling face what a wise good little boy how well he behaved himself i heard in a low murmur in the darkness my hand seized hers the darkness gave me suddenly an extraordinary courage pressing those cold dainty little fingers i raised them to my lips and began to kiss them quickly and avidly at the same moment i kept repeating in a happy whisper kate my darling kate she did not get angry she only began to pull her hand feebly away and said with feigned impatience you mustn't you mustn't go away oh how disobedient you are go i tell you and when afraid of making her really angry i loosened my fingers she suddenly clung to them and asked what is your name you haven't told me yet alexey i answered alexey how nice alexey alexey alicia overwhelmed by this unexpected caress i stretched out my hands impulsively only to meet emptiness kate had already disappeared from the balcony oh how passionately i love her kate to lydia september twenty first you will remember of course my dear lidotchka how papa was always against rankers and how he used to call them sarcastically army folk so you will be doubtless astonished when i tell you that they dined with us to-day papa himself went to the pavilion and invited them the reason for this sudden change is that the elder of the officers saved the life of my grand-mère this morning from what grandmother tells us there was something extraordinary about it she was passing through the yard when a mad bull suddenly flew in the gallant officer dashed between her and the bull in a word a regular story in the manner of spielhagen honestly i will confess to you that i don't particularly like papa's having invited them in the first place they both get utterly lost in society so that it is a martyrdom to look at them particularly the elder he ate his fish with his knife was dreadfully confused all the time and presented the oddest appearance secondly i am sorry that our meetings in the garden have lost almost all their charm and originality before when no one even suspected our chance acquaintance there was in these rendezvous something forbidden out of the common now already alas it will strike no one as even surprising to have seen us together that lapshin is head over ears in love with me i have now not the slightest doubt he has very almost too eloquent eyes but he is so modest so undecided that whether i like it or not i have to meet him half-way yesterday when he was leaving us i purposely waited for him on the balcony it was dark and he began kissing my hands ah oh, dear lidotchka in those kisses there was something enchanting i felt them not only on my hands but all over my body along which each kiss ran in a sweet nervous shiver at that moment i was very sorry not to be married i wanted so much to prolong and intensify these new and to me unknown sensations you of course will preach me a sermon for flirting with lapshin but this does not tie me to anything and doubtless it gives pleasure to him besides in a week at the latest we are leaving here for him and for me there will be left memories and nothing else good-bye dear lidotchka it's a pity that you won't be in petersburg this season give a kiss for me to your little mite of a sister yours ever kate september twenty second is it happiness or only the phantom of happiness what matters it 
I don't know which of the poets wrote that, but today I can't get it out of my head. And it's true, what does it matter? If I have been happy even for an hour, even for one brief moment, why should I poison it with doubts, distrust, the eternal questions of suspicious self-esteem? Just before the evening, Kate came out into the garden. I was waiting for her, and we went along the thick alley, that very same alley where I saw for the first time my incomparable Kate, the queen of my heart. She was moody and answered my questions often at random. I asked them indeed without much meaning, but only to avoid burdening both of us with silent pauses. But her eyes did not avoid mine. They looked at me with such tenderness. When we had reached the bench, I said, How dear and unforgettable this place is to me, Melly Kate. Why, she asked, it was here that I met you for the first time. You remember? You were sitting here with your friend, and you even burst out laughing when I passed by. Oh, yes, naturally I remember, Kate exclaimed, and her face lit up with a smile. It was stupid of us to laugh aloud like that. Perhaps you thought that it was meant for you. To tell the truth, I did. You see how suspicious you are. That's not nice of you. It happened simply like this. When you passed, I whispered something to Lydia. It really was about you, but I didn't want to repeat it, as an extra compliment might make you unbearable. Lydia stopped me for fear of your catching the words. She is very prude and always stops my little outbursts. Then, to tease her, I imitated the voice of my former governess, a very old stuck-up miss. For shame! Shocking! For shame! There, that's all, and this little bit of buffoonery made us laugh out loud. Well, are you pleased now? perfectly but what did you say about me kate shook her head with an air of sly reproach you are much too curious and i won't tell you anything as it is i am much too good to you don't forget please that you must be punished for your behavior yesterday i understood that she had no idea of getting angry but so as to be prepared for anything i lowered my head with a guilty air and said with affected distress forgive me mal kate i was carried away my feelings were too much for me and as she did not interrupt me, I went on in a still lower, but at the same time passionate tone. You are so beautiful, Melkate. The moment was favorable. Kate appeared to be waiting for me to go on, but a sudden timidity seized me, and I only asked pleadingly, as I looked into her eyes, You're not really angry with me, are you? Tell me. This tortures me so much. No, I'm not angry, Kate whispered, turning her head away with a bashful and unconsciously pretty movement. Well, now, the moment has come, I said to myself encouragingly, forward, forward, one can't stop halfway in love, be more daring. But daring had decidedly left me, and this silence of hers, after words that had been almost a confession, became heavier and heavier. Probably just because of this, Kate said goodbye to me, as we reached the end of the alley for the second time. When she gave me her small, delicate, but firm hand, I kept it in my own, and looked inquiringly into her eyes. I thought that I saw silent consent in them. I began once more to kiss that dear little hand, as passionately as I had done on the terrace. At first Kate resisted and called me disobedient, but the next moment I felt a deep warm breath on my hair, and my cheek was swiftly brushed by those fresh, charming little lips. In the same second, I hadn't even time to draw myself up. She slipped out of my hands, ran a few steps away, and stopped only when she was at a safe distance. Kate, wait, Kate, for heaven's sake! I have such a lot to say to you, I exclaimed as I approached her. Stay where you are and be silent, Kate ordered, frowning with her eyebrows and tapping her foot impatiently on the rustling leaves. 
i stopped kate put her hand to her mouth and made it a kind of speaking trumpet as bending slightly forward she whispered softly but clearly to-morrow as soon as the moon is up wait for me on the wharf i will slip out quietly we'll go out on the lake and you shall tell me all you want to tell me you understand me after these words she turned away quickly in the direction of the garden door without once glancing back as for me i stood there gazing after her lost deeply stirred and happy kate dear kate if only your position and mine in the world were the same however they say that love is higher than class distinctions or any prejudices but no no i will remain strong and self-sacrificing oh my god how swiftly they fly away my poor naive comic dreams as i write these lines the captain is lying on his bed playing on his guitar and singing hoarsely an old old song miserable little man i say to myself in order not to stuff your head with idle and unrealizable rubbish sit down and for your own punishment write these lines a young army lieutenant began to make love to me and my heart throbbed for him in strange and fatal passion my darling mother heard that i was not against wedding and smiling said to me listen my dearest daughter the young army lieutenant wants to deceive you from his evil hand it will be hard to escape the young army lieutenant shed torrents of tears somehow at early dawn he drove to the neighboring town there in the wooden chapel under the icon of god some pope or other half drunk wetted and yoked our hearts and then on a peasant's cart he carried me home ah how the glamour has fled i moaned through my tears there is no sugar no tea there is neither wine nor beer this is how i understand that i am a lieutenant's wife this is how i understand that i am a lieutenant's wife yes shame on you poor army lieutenant tear your hair weep weep through the stillness of the night thank you captain for that wise lesson of yours september twenty fourth night and love and the moon as mademoiselle ribakova the wife of the commander of the second platoon sings on our regimental guest nights never in my most daring dreams did i venture to imagine such intoxicating happiness i even doubt if the whole evening was not a dream a dear magical but deceptive dream i don't even know myself how this almost imperceptible but bitter sentiment of disillusion came into my soul i got down to the wharf late kate was waiting for me seated on the high stone balustrade which borders the wharf well shall we start i asked kate pulled her wrap closely over her and shuddered nervously oh no it's too cold look what a fog there is on the water the dark surface of the lake indeed could be seen only for a distance of about five feet further off uneven fantastical tufts of gray fog swept over the water let us walk about the garden kate said we started in this mysterious hour of a misty autumn night the deserted garden looked sad and strange like a neglected cemetery the moon shone pale the shadow of the naked trees lay across the paths in black deceptive silhouettes the swish of the leaves beneath our feet startled us when we emerged from the dark and seemingly damp archway of acacias i put my arm round kate's waist and gently but insistently drew her to me she made no resistance her light supple warm body only started slightly under the touch of my hand that was burning as if in fever in another minute her head was on my shoulder and i caught the sweet aroma of her loosened hair kate i'm so happy i love you so kate i adore you we stopped kate's arms went round my neck 
my lips were moistened and burned by a kiss so long so passionate that the blood mounted to my head and i staggered the moon was shining tenderly right into kate's face into that pale almost blanched face her eyes had grown larger had become enormous and at the same time so dark so deep under their long eyelashes like mysterious abysses and her moist lips were clamouring for still more of those insatiable torturing kisses kate darling you are mine quite mine yes quite quite forever yes yes my dear one we will never part kate her expression changed why do you ask that are you not happy with me just now oh kate well then why ask about what will come later live in the present dear time ceased i could not realize how many minutes or hours had passed kate was the first to come back to reality and as she slipped out of my arms she said it's late they'll discover my absence see me home alicia while we walked once more through the dark alley of acacias she nestled against me like a graceful kitten that dreads the cold i should be frightened to be alone here alicia how strong you are put your arms round me again tighter tighter take me up into your arms alicia carry me she was as light as a little feather as i held her i almost ran with her along the alley and kate's arms wound around my neck still more clingingly still more nervously kissing my neck and temples and enveloping my face with her quick burning breath she kept whispering faster faster still ah oh, how nice how exquisite alicia faster at the garden door we said good-bye what are you going to do now she asked while i after bowing began to kiss her hands one after the other i'm going to write my diary i answered a diary her face expressed surprise and as it seemed to me annoyed surprise do you write a diary yes perhaps you don't like that she gave a forced laugh it depends on how you do it of course you'll show me this diary of yours some time or other i tried to refuse but kate insisted so strongly that at last i had to promise now understand she said as we parted and she held up her finger threateningly if i see even a single correction look out when i got home i banged the door and the captain woke up grumbling why are you always gallivanting about like this lieutenant it's a rendezvous i suppose nobility and all that sort of thing i've just read over all the nonsense that i've been scribbling in this book from the very beginning of september no no kate shall not see my diary or i should have to blush for myself every time that i remembered it to-morrow i shall destroy it september twenty-fifth once more night once more moon and again the strange and for me inexplicable mingling of the intoxication of love and the torture of wounded pride it is no dream someone's footsteps are sounding under the window kate to lydia september twenty eighth my angel lidochka my little romance is coming to a peaceful end to-morrow we leave alkhavatka i purposely did not tell lapshin because one never knows he might turn up at a station he is a very sensitive young man and on the top of it all he hasn't the faintest notion of controlling his feelings i think he would be quite capable of bursting into tears at the station our romance turned out a very simple and at the same time a very original one it was original because the man and woman had exchanged their conventional roles i was attacking he was defending himself he was asking from me oaths of fidelity almost beyond the tomb at the end he bored me a good deal he is a man who does not belong to our circle his manners and habits are not ours 
his very language is different at the same time he is too exacting to spare his feelings i never even hinted to him how impossible it would have been for papa to receive him if he had presented himself in the light of a prospective son-in-law the foolish fellow he himself did not want to prolong these oppressive delights of unsatisfied love there is something charming in them to lose one's breath in tight embraces and burn slowly with passion what can be better than this but then how do i know perhaps there are caresses more daring more languishing of which i have no idea ah if he had only had in him a touch of that daring that inventiveness and that depravity which i have divined in many of my petersburg acquaintances but he instead of becoming every day more and more enterprising whined sighed talked bitterly about the difference in our positions as if i would ever consent to marry him hinted almost at suicide as i said before it was becoming almost intolerable only one one solitary meeting has remained vividly in my memory that was when he carried me in his arms along the garden and he at all events was silent lidotchka among other things he blurted out to me that he keeps a diary this frightened me heaven knows into whose hands this diary might fall later on i insisted that he should give it to me he promised but he did not keep his word then a few days ago after a long night walk and after having said good-bye to him i crept up to his window i caught him in the very act he was writing and when i called out he was startled his first movement was to conceal the paper but you understand i ordered him to hand over all that was written well my dear it's so funny and touching and there are so many pitiful words i'll keep this diary for you don't reproach me i'm not afraid on his account he won't shoot himself and i'm not afraid on my own account either he will be solemnly silent all his life still i confess for some reason or other i feel vaguely sad but all this will pass in petersburg like the impression of a bad dream i kiss you my beloved one write to me in petersburg your k End of section 4